hurry up and wait. Last week, we heard a surface reauthorization bill would be out by now, but it's not happened. And it looks like anyone hoping to see language of the bill to guide highway and bridge funding the next six years will have to find something else to read this week. The Senate committee that controls the legislation said don't look for language anytime soon, but pencil in a vote by August 1st. That's a week from tomorrow. At this point, without much time to review the bill, even that sounds a little ambitious. Then again, maybe that's the strategy. This is Hard Facts. I'm Robert Johnson. Weather is getting stronger. Damage from storms is greater. The costs to repair and rebuild are going higher. So how are we doing when it comes to changing the way we design and build infrastructure? We pose those questions to this week's guest, Dr. David DeZombach, a professional engineer who heads the Department of Civil and Environmental Engineering at Carnegie Mellon University in Pittsburgh. So the climate is changing, and uh, it is changing in different ways in different places. Uh, and that's been documented by the uh, National Climate Assessment that's been done in recent years. Communities have impacts from climate change. They're interested in thinking about how to adapt to that. And folks may not think of it as climate change adaptation, but if a community is experiencing more flooding, more frequent flooding, more heavy rain, uh, higher temperatures, there are responses to that in terms of um, steps to mitigate the impacts of floods, opening more cooling centers for elderly people during extreme heat periods. There is adaptation underway. In civil and environmental engineering, we are working here at Carnegie Mellon to introduce our students to concepts of the changing climate and uh, what we need to do to adapt in engineering and the design construction, management, and operation of infrastructure. In the early days of that, we've been doing it here with changes to our curriculum for the past five years, and uh, we have research going on in this area, but as the field as a whole is just starting to adapt to the changing climate. What sorts of things are you studying or looking at there that might someday, hopefully sooner rather than later, find their way into projects that are being designed and built around the country? Now, for example, we uh, traditionally in engineering have looked at historical environmental condition data for a particular location, whether it's uh, precipitation, uh, temperature, snow accumulation, environmental conditions in a particular location. We've looked at historical records and made the assumption that the future will look like the past. It's clear now that that is not the case, that uh, conditions in the future will be in many places different than in the past, and we need to use some evolving tools to enable us to make our best estimates of what future conditions will be like. In engineering, we're interested in that on different time scales. Some of our design tasks are for infrastructure that last just a few years, but other types of infrastructure are designed for 100 years or more. So the ability to look into the near term and, and the long term future and make the best estimates we can about future conditions, it's something we have to do in the course of our design work. And that's what we're teaching about here, best tools currently available, how we can use those in engineering. And that thinking is, is starting to come into practice. And real questions are here today from communities and owners of infrastructure about how to adapt current operations and how to plan for the future. 
And you really have two different challenges, right? You're dealing with rebuilding infrastructure that is being torn down or destroyed or damaged by storms that are getting stronger today. And then you've got projects that haven't been built yet uh, trying to figure out what to do there so that maybe they can uh, withstand some of this a little bit better. Are there two tracks? Are those the right tracks? Are there other tracks? Can you break that down for me and tell me how you're approaching it? Well, there is the need to adapt current infrastructure and the way we operate current infrastructure uh, and maintain current infrastructure. And, uh, and then the, the, the other task, uh, as you described, is uh, planning new infrastructure for the future. There's a lot of infrastructure in place and protecting it, managing it uh, to adapt to changing conditions is something we need to do today. And you can look at challenges such as coastal flooding, including it's called sunny day flooding, where the water level is just coming up and um, it's not necessarily a big storm, but a community along the coast is experiencing more low level flooding, but very frequently. And they need to adapt to that today. If we're designing new infrastructure in a coastal area, we need to think about protecting it and having it be more resilient to severe storms. And for inland communities, different kinds of uh, considerations, more frequent storms with heavier rainfall, uh, stormwater systems designed a long time ago are not adequate to managing perhaps more extreme rainfall that's being experienced in some locations and how to think long-term about modifying the stormwater management system to accommodate those conditions is a big challenge for many communities. So there are challenges for existing infrastructure and challenges in thinking about uh, design of infrastructure that will serve long into the future, new infrastructure. Making sure that whether you repair it for the long term or build it to last a long time, this idea of looking forward and evaluating weather patterns differently seems like one that will take a little getting used to. Uh, if not for any other reason than uh, predicting the future when you can't really use the past might be almost impossible. The models that exist to estimate future conditions do rely on past data. There are different types of models, uh, and the climate science community calibrates those models based on historical data and then does future casting uh, from those models that have been fitted to historical data. So we do work off of available information about the um, climate system. And uh, there are physics-based models, and there are models that just rely on extrapolation of data, statistical models. And so there are different types of models, but they, they, they all use existing data to some extent and look at trends, recent trends in the data, if the temperature is increasing in a location or the precipitation is increasing or decreasing, thinking about how those trends might play out in the future. And there's uncertainty in that. No one claims to be able to predict the future with high level of accuracy. So another challenge for engineering infrastructure for the future is to think about how to incorporate that uncertainty. And there are different approaches to that. Uh, the most conservative approach is to design for the worst possible condition that comes out of those estimates, but that's often very expensive to do. 
So uh, engineers are often aiming for some kind of middle ground and dealing with uncertainty. And further, and something we're, we're teaching students about through our curriculum, we can't predict the future with a high level of accuracy. So how do we develop a design that will be adaptable as we learn more about what future conditions will be and not over-design and spend a lot of resources that we may not need to spend, but uh, have in place a design that can accommodate a range of future conditions, including maybe conditions on the far end of the extreme, if it evolves that way, but uh, the design can adapt. So we're thinking more about adaptable designs that uh, can accommodate a range of conditions to address the uncertainty in future conditions. As you look around the country, is anyone doing this well? Well, there are professional groups that are thinking about this. The American Society of Civil Engineers has a committee on uh, adapting to a changing climate. Other professional societies are thinking about this, and certainly they're on-the-ground organizations uh, and communities that are thinking about it and acting. And uh, it is playing out in a very wide spectrum of ways, uh, from changes in community planning to changes in codes to changes in thinking and education of engineers, uh, managers, community planners, and so forth. It's a pretty dynamic situation. Uh, as I say, we're, we're having to adapt today, and that's been underway for a while. People have been adapting, even if they don't think of it as such. And in the professional community, we've gotten more organized to think about the long-term adaptation challenge uh, more systematically. Is the government adapting, in your view? There's both private and public sector involvement and initiative in adapting to a changing climate. The uh, U.S. military is thinking about this in a very big way. They have massive amounts of infrastructure to maintain and maintain an operable condition. They've had, for example, to elevate piers at the Norfolk Naval Base in response to rising sea level and in anticipation of even greater sea level rise. They have Air Force bases in Florida that have been severely damaged by hurricanes and more frequent hurricanes, uh, and they're putting thought and investment into how to manage those level of storms, the frequency of storms in protecting their infrastructure. So the government is in it in a big way and in, into the adaptation challenge in a big way, but so is the private sector. Insurers are very much aware of the changing climate, and they are pushing large clients that have large investments that the insurers are backing to think about climate adaptation. And organizations that are building, operating, managing facilities are, are, are thinking about future conditions. So it really is a mix of public and private. Uh, initiative that is uh, pushing us ahead on uh, adapting to a changing climate. I suspect as you turn your focus back to the classroom, you're teaching younger people who want to be engineers about how to deal with this. This really is their future. It's probably not a difficult sell for them. Now, students are interested in the challenge. They understand their generation faces some big challenges in the future with a regard to a changing climate. And uh, it's going to require a different kind of education for, for engineers, the one that emphasizes more uncertainty in future conditions and thinking about statistical distributions for 
uh, various kinds of processes and parameters that we consider in, in, in the designs that we uh, carry out. Uh, rather than single numbers, we consider a range of numbers for parameters like wind velocity and uh, its way we consider it in designing buildings or flows in uh, rivers that are near facilities that are being constructed and potential for flooding. What's the uh, uncertainty in the hydrology for, for those rivers? Those kinds of factors that uh, get taken into consideration the design of infrastructure we're now introducing in our curriculum. The knowledge of uncertainty in the parameters that go into uh, into the designs and, and students are understand the need for that and, and the need for a somewhat different kind of skill set for engineers today. I mean, you almost need a second degree in meteorology, don't you? Well, not necessarily a second degree in meteorology. I mean, that wouldn't hurt, but uh, that's a lot to ask of a person. Uh, but what we do, for example, the climate science community has a, a subfield uh, that's referred to as downscaling, where they take global climate models that predict climate evolution on, on pretty large scales, continental scale or large region scale. And they've developed tools to scale down the results to smaller regions. And so we're not necessarily teaching all engineers how to build climate models, but rather how to use the results to make them aware of these this class of tools and to make them aware of how to use the results from uh, models that are being developed and run by climate science experts and the engineers are, are using the results of those um, models developed by others. So we're making them aware of the meteorological community uh, advancements, but uh, we don't expect all engineers to have a second degree in meteorology. I might have been exaggerating a slight bit, but when weather is becoming more and more a factor in places where you wouldn't expect it to be otherwise or where it hasn't been before, it seems that those are good skills to have. Indeed. Very important for civil and environmental engineering. So what about all of the old engineers out there who did not learn all of this? Are they coming back to school to get a refresher, or are they just having to learn on the job? Well, they're learning on the job, and there's a bit of uh, uh, continuing education involved for any, any engineer. That engineering practice is continuously evolving, and, uh, and this is an important new component of that uh, evolution for civil and environmental engineering. And in part, uh, young people coming into organizations, new graduates who have some of the knowledge of tools to uh, examine changing climate will be sought after to come in and bring that kind of new expertise to engineering organizations and to help inform some of the older engineers that didn't have as much exposure to that when they were going through their, their curriculum. Now, of course, here in Washington, I'm going to say something that comes as no surprise to you. Everybody's interested in policy and even more so in how we spend the money. Uh, we're debating right now a reauthorization for surface transportation, maybe some bigger package of infrastructure projects. $2 trillion has been thrown around. Whatever that ends up being, whenever it happens, there's always a conversation here about funding and what we do with it. Would you be an advocate for working this approach into everything we do going forward so that we don't have to come back and keep doing things over and over again? Or are we not at that stage yet? 
despite what the general public uh, hears from a lot of people in the political class, the federal and state agencies, uh, for example, the U.S. Department of Transportation is quite aware of the changing climate, has been working on incorporation of evolving climate in roadway design and management for a number of years now. So when uh, surface transportation bills are renewed and we go forward with updating infrastructure in response to that, I think you could be assured that the technical people in the federal agencies that carry out the projects are quite aware of the need to address uh, changing environmental conditions. And uh, the Federal Highway Administration has been a leader in thinking about uh, especially water management on roadways, but other kinds of uh, aspects of roadway design and operation that re- relate to changing uh, environmental conditions. They, they've been out in front and thinking about those issues for a number of years. And then driving those changes at the local level with things like updated building codes, reconsidering where you rebuild after a storm, all of those things you feel are uh, well uh, on their way to becoming more a part of daily life. It, yes, it is. The building codes are more a lot more local influence on that than large-scale highway uh, projects. But certainly, uh, different owners are, especially owners of larger-scale infrastructure, very aware of the challenge. Uh, larger-scale infrastructure that will have a long lifetime, they're very aware of the need to think about evolving conditions. And even if they're not, their insurers will be pushing them to think about that. Codes will evolve more slowly, but they are evolving. Mother Nature has a way of uh, winning out in the end, and uh, changing conditions will is forcing adaptation and change, and will continue to do so. Final thoughts, words to remember as we move forward into this more uncertain territory? We can guess the future, but in the end, Mother Nature will determine the direction we head, and uh, the climate has been changing uh, and and will continue to change, but it is different in different locations. And so there will be different kinds of adaptations needed in different places. And uh, that requires a lot of location-specific engineering and planning decision-making. And we are about that task in the U.S. and around the world, and that will intensify in the years ahead. Next week, we talk infrastructure resiliency with Pam Russell from ENR News. She's based in New Orleans and was part of a team of journalists awarded two Pulitzer Prizes for coverage of Hurricane Katrina. That's Wednesday, July 31st on Hard Facts, a podcast production of the Portland Cement Association. I'm Robert Johnson. I'll see you then.